Hey fellow brain pickers, if you haven't yet subscribed to my brand new show, The Daniel Geffen Show, then what are you waiting for? Get over there on iTunes, type in The Daniel Geffen Show, and give that subscribe button a good old smash. Welcome to the Can I Pick Your Brain podcast, where successful entrepreneurs get their brains picked so you can apply mindset tricks and game-changing tactics that will help you become unstoppable. Now, here's your host, Daniel Geffen. Hey, fellow brain pickers, and welcome to episode 135 of the Can I Pick Your Brain show. My guest today is Christopher Lockheed, who is a retired three-time CMO, former entrepreneur, and co-author of Play Bigger. He's also the host of the popular podcast, Legends and Losers. Christopher, welcome to the show. Daniel, it's great to be here. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor and a pleasure to have you. And the first question I actually was thinking about was like, what a name for a show, Legend and Losers. Like, that sounds offensive. It's like, I don't know. I feel like losers, like why are people losers? You know, why are they legends and losers? So I wanted to ask you about that. Well, the idea comes from the mantra, or if you will, our point of view, that you can't be a legend without being a loser. And oh, if, you start okay. to, if you start to look at, the most extraordinary people, uh, if they're candid, if they're honest, if they're open, what you really discover, of course, is it's the losing that makes you legendary. And then if you look at your own life, um, we most of us learn way more uh, from losing than we do from winning. And, um, and we, we, many of us can be ashamed of losing or feeling like a failure. I, I know I can be, and, and certainly... Uh, ha- have been in the past and, and sometimes I am in the present. <laughs> but the, the, uh, are you married, by the way? I am. I'm very married. Isn't it amazing how our wives detect the loser in us so much, but then they also detect the legend. Uh, so they, they're like really good at calling that out. In fact, the other day I was shooting, I started doing daily videos. I like put on Facebook and YouTube, like these two minute clips. Yeah. And this is so funny. And I was at the gym and I was listening to some like real hardcore motivational music, like because I was lifting weights. And it's like, really like, yeah, you can effing do it, man. You got. And like, I came out that gym like freaking so pumped. I took out my phone and I just started doing a video. And I'm like, you need to murder those enemies. You need to kill. You need to bury those. You know, anyone who told you that you can't do anything in life, you need to bury those people. And I was like, yeah. And I felt so good. And, and then I, I came home and it's like, I always show my wife like what I do. It's like, you know, a little kid coming home to mommy. It's like, Hey mommy, look what I did today. Right. So we, we kind of like, so I come home to my wife and I'm like, check out this new video. And she watches it and she's like, this isn't you. Like, were you listening to some like music or something like in the gym? Like, <laughs> how the hell did you know that? It's like creepy. She's like, this is just, this is not you. This is not who you are. So they detect it. It's so weird. Yeah. Well, and, um, in my case, I have uh, a list of diagnosed, uh, you know, what what heretofore have been called disabilities or disorders or whatever. I, I oh yeah, I you're also that. bipolar. Like, yes. Yes. I am. So am I. Yay. And so my, my <laughs> wife Carrie, um, she knows. She just knows when the bipolar has me by the the hoo hoo. And, you know, <laughs> she's balls. just... Balls is okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and so, you know, she's, God bless her, she's just very gentle with me. She understands what's going on. She knows it's going to be temporary. She She's kind to me in those moments when others probably wouldn't be. Certainly, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be kind to me when, when I'm, you know, being bipolar like that. Um, and the combination of her and friends. And, and of course, you know, as you... As you, uh, uh, as you learn about yourself and you learn about the world, uh, hopefully your IQ and your EQ can kind of work together. And so uh, somebody with some bipolar, you know, when the, when the emotional quotient is sort of when you're in the dumps, if you can use your IQ to understand, well, you know, this is temporary. This is mm-hmm. just your bipolar kicking in. Mm-hmm. You're probably making a mountain out of a molehill. You probably won't feel this way in two hours or two days. Mm. And so you can get some distance from it and, and some 
um, so you get really you know, logical you basically get purely logical is that what is that what you do well I don't know I'd say purely logical but I, I, yeah. I try to talk to myself and say look this is this is your bipolar you feel mm -hmm. this way for a reason you don't actually feel this way because you've thought about something and you've actually come to a conclusion and so forth because mm. you know the truth is for us as human beings if we're disempowered it's probably because mentally we've got ourselves in, in, in a bit of a corner we don't want to or need to be in and and we have the ability to get out of those corners if we mm -hmm. if we work with ourselves and we have people in our lives who can help us it's so interesting that you you say that you talk you talk it out to yourself um because I talk to myself, like I, I talk things out. Now people say, oh, you mean you talk to yourself like in your head, like you talk it out. I'm like, no, 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 I, I verbally, I, I actually talk it out. And in fact, you know, thank God for, for earphones because, you know, it, now I can walk in the street and just plug in my earphones into my phone and it looks like I'm on the phone. It looks like I'm on a, on a call with someone. So I'm just like talking it out with myself. <laughs> and like people think it's completely normal. In fact, the other day I was doing that and a friend of mine walked past. He's like, hey, how you doing? I'm like, hey. He's like, oh, I'm sorry to interrupt your call. I'm like, no, 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 it's okay. And then I realized that I was talking. So I have to, I was like, oh, hold on a second. Yeah, anyway, so Sammy, um, I'll speak to you later. Okay, yeah, have a good one. And <laughs> you know, as if I'm like finishing a conversation. But, um, and it was actually the impetus for my second show. Um, this is... This show is Can I Pick Your Brain? Um, but I'm starting a new great, show. Great name. Great name for a podcast. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, so the, the new podcast is called The Daniel Geffen Show because my ego got like big because of the original show. So now, now I've got to be like someone. It's, like, it's not just Can I Pick Your Brain? It's like The Daniel Geffen Show, right? And the idea for the show really came because I was constantly talking to myself in the morning because I had so many ideas. And... I said to myself, well, why don't I just create a show out of this? Like, what's in Daniel Geffen's head, essentially? And who knows? Some people will think it's wacky, and some people will love it, you know? But that's, it's interesting that's you say that on the ego. Um, I, it may be ego, you tell me, because you know yourself better than I do. But, um, you know, I, I've now, we're, we're about 160 episodes into Legends and Losers. Mm -hmm. and um, we recently sort of just did a minor update to the name of the show. It's actually officially now called Christopher Lockett's Legends and Losers. Mm. And the reason for that was uh, actually not me at all. It came from a conversation I had with uh, Jordan Harbinger. Ah, and, yeah. um, you know, as you may know, he recently left his, his show, which was called yeah. The Heart of Charm, and launched his new show. And um, he and I were chatting as all that was going on. And um, he named the show, the new show, The Jordan Harbinger Show. Mm -hmm. And we had a discussion about naming, but more importantly, podcasting. And the aha for me, I'd be curious to check this out with you, Daniel, as you know, somebody who's a, you know, an expert or, or, or has certainly been doing this, uh, has a lot, you have a lot of experience uh, and a great track record. What I have learned, because our listeners have told me and uh, I've talked to other people, is something I didn't realize, maybe I was naive, which is the relationship with the host is what makes the show for most people. Yep. And so I got told a lot in the beginning, like you shouldn't name your show something other than your own name, but I, I mm -hmm. couldn't get comfortable with it. Plus I thought Legends and Losers was fun for the reasons we talked about. Yep. Um, but I continuously get that feedback that in a lot of ways, the success or failure of, the po of a podcast comes down to listeners relationship with the host and and that the first what i've been educated on is sort of the first thing they want to know is like who is this host why should i listen to this person right. etc and so some very smart people jordan being one of them who are much more educated in podcasting than i am made the recommendation to do that and so i sort of reluctantly agreed because i i didn't want you know, my podcast to be some Kardashian BS, you know, uh, Gary V, Ty Lopez, look at me, look at me kind of crapola. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 100%. And in fact, you know, I was actually torn about this decision didn't come straight away. I went back and forth about it. Like it was, you know, because the theme of the show is probably more like imperfect action, taking imperfect action. Um, so I was thinking about calling the show something like you know, imperfect action or something like that. Um, and I was going back and forth and I, I put it out there to, to a couple of people and they came back with some real harsh, um, 
opinions. And they're like, well, like, who do you think you are that you can call it the Daniel Geffen show? Like, you're not Gary Vaynerchuk. You're not Tony Robbins. Like, you're a nobody. Who knows you? Who's going to listen to it? Nobody knows you. So why would you do that? And I, and I, I was kind of a bit like hurt. You know, I felt like my ego getting a little chipped over there. And there was a part of me that just felt, yeah, but I kind of want to fill those shoes. Like you can either wear shoes that are too tight or you can wear shoes that are too big and your feet hopefully grow into them, right? You, you grow into those shoes. And so I, I did what I do sometimes when I'm, when I'm a little bit, you know, confused about something. I post it on Facebook and see what the people say. So I posted it on my personal page and I also posted it on, in, in a big group, um, which I'm not that active in, so I kind of felt a little dirty putting it in there because I'm not like that active, but it was a big group. And I mean, Christopher, I got hundreds of comments. Oh my goodness me, like literally pouring in, pouring in. Daniel, F them, those haters. You don't know what, they don't know what they're talking about. They're just jealous. You use your name. You stand tall. You wear those shoes. You be proud of your name. You And it was like, boom, boom, boom. And I was like thinking, wow, like where is this support coming from? And people were getting really emotional about it. Like I hit a nerve. Yeah. You know, I hit yeah, that I, nerve. I also think the other thing is um, if the show's about a very specific thing or there's a constant theme that runs through it or, or something along those lines, if it's a topic-based, you know, if it's, uh, you know, marketing for B2C e-commerce companies, on the you know east coast of the United States, then maybe that's a good title for the podcast. But if it's um, if it's an if it's a podcast where uh, it's essentially the host is curating a set of ideas or mm -hmm. a set of conversations, um, th things along those lines, where it's essentially a host-driven show as opposed to a concept-driven podcast. If I could sort of delineate those mm -hmm. those. Um, then I think it makes sense. But the biggest thing I, you know, I've been told is that is, is just the one that we're on, which is if, unless you have so, some gimmick or a, a format that is kind of, if you will, host independent, mm -hmm. for the most part, most podcasts are very host dependent. And uh, it's the relationship with that host. And what our listeners have told us is, and I didn't know this in the beginning, Daniel, our listeners listen to every episode. Yep. And I would have thought they would be more like me, which is even with podcasts that I love, if the guest or the, the whatever it is, if that if the context of the episode doesn't seem appealing, even if it's with a podcast that I love, I don't listen to it. Um, mm. And it turns out uh, not everyone's like that. And, and so at least for us, I would imagine it's the same thing for you. Um, your listeners trust you to take them on, on, a, on a journey of some kind. And they, they sign up in a lot of ways because of you. Then they trust you to do that. And so um, in that sense, building that relationship with the listener is powerful. And so the, in the name of the, the, the host is, is the beginning of creating that relationship. It's not necessarily just a, uh, you know, a Kim Kardashian, uh, mm. look at my butt, look at my butt, look at my butt. <laughs> All right. You know, going back to legends and, and, and losers, um, when did you discover the legend in you? And, and I guess, you know, how did you go from the loser in your mind to the, to the legend in your mind? Yeah, so, I, so one thing I would say is, is the losery continues, right? And so the fun thing about legend and loser is um, we're always both. <laughs> and I don't know about you, but I, I, I spent 30 years doing if you will, one thing, which is, you know, business, yeah. marketing, category design, all that, being a, a marketing guy, all that. And, and for the last two years, I've been in this author, podcaster world, which is a whole new thing, thing for me. Mm -hmm. And so the amount of losery in my life over the last two years versus sort of, if you will, the prior 10 years was, was a lot different because I was doing something I was an expert in and, mm -hmm. and, you know, achieved a level of competence in it. And as a podcaster and as an author, I'm, mostly incompetent. And so the fun thing about Legend Loser is it, it sort of goes back and round and around and around again throughout life, and I think that's kind of fun. Mm -hmm. But to answer your question, there, there was a seminal moment, Daniel, in my life. Um, at about 17, I remember where I was. I was uh, on a particular street. It was cold. 
and I was walking and on, on one shoulder I had an angel and the other I had a devil and the, the devil's voice was my mom saying you're going to grow up to be a bum and the angel's voice was my grandfather saying you're the bestest boy in the world with this Scottish accent and, wow. and I thought you know which of those two things am I going to listen to and I, I remember making a decision that I am going to be the man my grandfather tells me I'm, I am, and I'm also um, going to allay the fears that my mother had. I'm not, I'm not going to go into that place that she's terrified of. So both of them in their own ways, of course, were driving me to, to, to fulfill my potential and, and my own dreams. Um, and so I just decided to go, and I, I, just, I made a decision. I made a decision to be the man that my um, father mother and grandparents wanted me to be and I, I empowered that voice and I guess you, you we still have those voices continue the, the loser voice and the legend voice and it's really the one that we feed the most that ends up winning right yeah just, and just, that's why you know to, yeah. a, to the, the point we were on a little bit earlier that's why having people in our lives to support us and love us and, and encourage us when when the loser voice gets us by the throat and we feel, mm -hmm. you know, I don't know about you, but I can, I can get to a place where I feel like, Oh my goodness, me you know, desperate and incompetent and unable oh. to do the smallest of things. And, and then yeah. of course I can be the opposite where, you know, if you remember Titanic, you know, you can feel yeah. like you're the king of the world. And, and, and sometimes I can go back and forth. pretty Absolutely. Quickly. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I go from, I go from, feeling like I can literally conquer the world and like, I've got this, like no one's going to get in my way to, you know what? I don't give a, I don't, I don't care. I, I don't yeah. care. Like yeah. screw it. Screw the whole thing. Like, I don't care about it. And it's like, it's funny because it's really coming from a place of fear, but you think it's coming from a place of like humility. Like, Oh, I don't, I don't need to, I don't need to make millions of dollars. Like I, I don't need to put out a best-selling book. Like what do I need that for? That's, you know, that's arrogant. That's, and it's such a lie. Yeah. It's the devil. The devil is, is sneaky. He's a sneaky yeah. guy and he sits yeah. there and tells you, you know, yeah, you don't really need to, to do that. Like, you know, that's, that's cocky. That's arrogant. And it's, it's so false. It's so false because it's like a, a, you think that being humble means to be small and it's, it's the opposite. Like humility is using your gift and just being grateful for it and knowing that it's a gift and that I didn't earn it. I was given this gift and I have a duty to use this gift. And by not using yeah, it, I'm I would, I would, just push you a little on that one. I, I think we do all have gifts for sure. We do all have assets and liabilities. Yeah. Um, I'll give you an example. You know, I, I, at the risk of sounding immodest, I'm a pretty good public speaker. I did right. it as an executive for the better part of 30 years. And, and so if I speak, I don't do very much of it anymore. But uh, if I go and do that, people will say, oh, you know, you're so talented at speaking. That was a wonderful speech. Mm. And, of course, I appreciate the compliment. And do I have some natural talent in that regard? I do, but, and it's a very big but, okay. I sucked at the beginning. I was horrible. I got my ass trained, and I worked hard to become a public speaker with whatever gifts I may have had. And so um, I think most people that I have encountered, Daniel, who have achieved a level of mastery, while they might have what you and I would call talent in that regard, mm -hmm. um, you know, Steph Curry, the basketball player, shoots a thousand hoops a day, right? It's not, or, you know, my friend, I can't, can't even believe I get to call him my friend, my friend Bill Walton, the NBA Hall of Famer, he didn't get to the NBA Hall of Fame just because he's seven feet tall and just because he's a great basketball player. That guy worked his tail off. And so, to me, that's the interesting thing is, is to your point on gifts, we've all been given gifts of one sort or of another. The question is, why do some of us go to work on um, achieving mastery with those gifts and why do some of us squander them? Mm, that's so true. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's funny because yesterday, like this is really raw because yesterday 
I had one of those really sucky days. You know, you know those days that everything just and you're like, you look up and you're like, yeah, go on, pile it on. You might as well. You, you, you know, it's it's. I know this is going to be one of those days. All right, just keep keep coming. Come on. It's like yes. you get the client complaining. You get you know your mem- your staff like are just all over the place. Everything's just 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 going wrong, and. I got home and I texted my wife. I'm just like, yeah. She's like, how was your day, honey? I'm like, crap. <laughs> She's like, oh, okay. Well, you know, you're amazing. And, you know, tomorrow's another day and all that. And, and it's amazing having someone to support you. Like, like, you know, it's incredible to have somebody um, always there, like lifting me up and, and reminding me about the legend part of me. But I was sitting in this losery and I remember getting home. Um, I, I, the truth is I didn't want to hear it at that time. I didn't really want to hear all this like, yeah, you're amazing. Like, no, you know what? I'm just going to shut down the whole business. I'm just going to fire the staff. Like, I'm just going to live this simple life and become one of these hippies. They're so much happier. They're so much freer. Like, <laughs> just like, I'll just like, you know, do a bit of consulting on the side, make a little bit of, you know, money. And, and eh, what do we need all this for? Like, what do I need all this attention? What do I, you know, like you really get in there. <laughs> you know, it's crazy. Yeah, it's, I, what, what it reminds me of, I don't know if you remember, if you had this as a kid, this, I don't know why we had this song, uh, the nobody likes me, everybody hates me, I'm going to eat some worms. <laughs> you, know, you, you just get into that place where it's like, ah, I'm just going to go sit in the corner and eat worms. Yeah. Like, I'm just, yeah. everything sucks, I'm terrible, I'm a loser. And, right. Um, yeah, and I think over time, hopefully, we get a little independence with it, you know, and we can have a little humor. My wife, Carrie, will sometimes, if, I, if I'm really in that bipolar negative place, she'll say to me, um, okay, so that's where you are, right? And I said, yeah. <laughs> she said, you need to hang out there for a little while, right? And I said, yeah. She said, all right, well, just, just let me know. Is this a two-hour or a two-day? Like, Brilliant. You know, that's and of course, uh, that can help trigger getting out. It's like, oh, I don't want to spend two days feeling, cra- I, 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 feeling crappy yeah. about this, right? I just, and then maybe I'll just let it wash over me and get on with it. Yeah, it's so true. I mean, I think awareness is the key. I think with maturity, just being aware, I I like the fact that you, the way that you've dealt with it isn't by fighting it. I feel like when people fight it, it just becomes stronger. You give more power to that, what you fight. And you just kind of turned it and said, look, I know you're here. You just become aware, like, this is what, this is where I am right now. Okay. And and it's okay. I'm not going to fight you. I'm just going to, I'm just going to be here. And I know it's going to pass because the legend in me or whatever you want to call it comes back, right? Um, and, and I think that's all about just patience, being patient with it. Um, I've also learned to have a relationship with my emotions, like anger, um, jealousy, um, whatever, whatever emotions coming up. And I've started to, to develop a relationship where I, I talk to them individually. <laughs> yeah, I know like it sounds people. crazy. Yeah, no, like I, I find this fascinating. Like they're people. So, for example, you know, I I get angry and I'll be like, "Hi, anger, how you doing?" You know, like I talk to them like a, like a friend. I'm like, I know you're, and I and I look at them almost like children. I know what you're up to. Yeah, like <laughs> I can I know see you want, trying to steal those that, cookies. Yeah, exactly. I know that. I know what you want. I know you want my attention. You know, um, and I'm here for you. You know, it's like, it's like, I look at them like my child, I have four children all under the age of 10 and they all need Not a boy. <laughs> there we go. Right. And there's one on the way as well. I've got nothing to do with it. Why I just stop now. Just keep going. Yeah. Keep going. I mean, I just show up. I'm, I'm just, just like, have an, sh- just have an entire football team. Just go. <laughs> yeah. Why not? How many kids do you have? Zero. So you can make oh. up for my zero. Um, all right. Fine. Did, is that, was that by choice or? Yeah, but very much so. Uh, my life today, and you know, candidly, for for uh, a fair amount of my adult life, is is a, as the result of conscious design. And um, uh, yeah, I just didn't want to have children, and um, my wife Carrie doesn't want to have children. Wow! And so we don't have children. Um, and the the fun thing about it is, you know, a lot of people assume, oh, you don't have kids. Well, you must hate kids. Right. <laughs> well. I hate your kids if they're at Starbucks acting like little, you know, douchebags. Like kids. Um, <laughs> but, no, I don't hate kids. I, I don't hate people. I love people. So, you know, I love kids. And so the fun part, uh, Daniel, is um, Carrie and I uh, are very committed uh, auntie and uncle. And so we have, uh, both of us have sisters. She has two that both have three, so that's six. My sister has three. 
-hmm. And then, you know, most of our friends, our adopted family, um, they have kids. And so, you know, like for example, yesterday, I was, yesterday uh, afternoon, we went over to our friends, Mike and Alyssa's house and they have two young boys. And, you know, from the moment Alyssa was pregnant with their first son, um, Mike and Alyssa were, were referring to us as, as aunt and uncle. And so um, the cool thing about not having kids as it, as it relates to children in general is you can develop this really profound relationship. And yesterday, uh, as, as we were leaving and I was saying goodbye to the boys, um, Bo, um, who's now five, uh, I go to say goodbye to him and I said, bye, Bobo, I love you. And uh, he comes and gives me a kiss and he looks me straight in the eyes, a beautiful five-year-old boy and says, I love you, Uncle Chris. Oh, that's so sweet. And, well, I, I, I know as a parent, it, you know, the, those are different feelings. But the powerful thing about that, I think, at least in my experience, is that, that you can want to be the kid's uncle all you want. Mm -hmm. But the truth is the kid decides if you're, if you're his uncle in this example, mm -hmm. right? He decides yeah. what he's going to say to you. He decides if we want to play with the trains or the whatever it is or the baseball <laughs> yeah. or, or we're going to go for a walk to the beach or whatever it is we're going to do, right? Mm -hmm. And if he doesn't want to do those things with you, you're not his uncle. <laughs> right. And I don't know, there's something I find very powerful when a child chooses you. But in that moment when he said, I love you, I love you, uncle. Um, did you kind of rethink about having kids like that? No, not at all. <laughs> it's incredible. Like, wow. Wow. It's wow. There's, so there's no real reason. It's just, you just have no desire for it, I guess. That's so interesting. Yeah, I love, I love my life the way it is. Um, what do you desire? Like, what is your main passion? At the very, very highest level, I care yeah. about two things, which is um, making a difference and having an embarrassingly large amount of fun doing it. An you embarrassingly know, large amount of fun. I like that. Yeah, I think, I think the guys in Spinal Tap, if you remember that old um, <laughs> fake, fake rock documentary, one of the greatest movies of all time. Really? What's it called? Know? Spinal Rock? Spinal Tap, the official name, spinal of the, tap. The, the, it's called This Is Spinal Tap, and Spinal this Tap is, spinal is the, tap. the name okay. of a fake heavy metal band. Um, it, it's a Rob Reiner film. It, if, you like, if you like rock and roll at all, uh, mm -hmm. particularly heavy metal or hard rock, th this movie will make you pee yourself. It's so funny. <laughs> um, and at, at one point in the movie, a reporter asks one of the guys in the band what the philosophy of the band is, and they say with their fake British accent, which I'll now try to imitate, have a good time all the time. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty good. That was pretty good. And, and you know what? There's some real truth to that. It's like we get taught all these things about life, and it's, if we're lucky enough to live in the kinds of places you and I live and we're not, mm -hmm. you know, suffering in Syria, um, then have a good time. And, and for me, making a difference is a lot of fun. And then I guess the third component of it is, you know, of course, the people that you're with. And so if it Ideally, I'm in a scenario, and this is how I've tried to co-create my life with my friends and family, where you're having fun, you're making a difference, and you're doing it with people that you love to be with. And if you get all of those things in kind of uh, motion together, you know, you have, you have a lot of magical days. What does making a difference look like to you, though? Yeah, that's a great question. I think in my personal experience, Daniel, we all have to find where, in what domains, what categories, what places do we make the most difference? And I've spent, you know, the better part of, I don't know, at least 35 years or so thinking about that for myself. And so I'll give you an example. Um, when I hung up the, my gloves as a, as a, as a CMO and, and sort of left the, the uh, world of, you know, uh, building and running tech companies, I thought a lot about what I wanted to do next. I ended up being a consultant advisor, board member kind of guy to tech, tech companies here in Silicon Valley. But anyway, I, I wanted to do a lot of things in the nonprofit world. There were areas that I was very attracted to trying to make a difference. And so I went out and I explored those areas. And, you know, I was on uh, advisory boards and I did things and I donated money and, and all this in the nonprofit charitable NGO. Why did you donate? Why did you donate to what was mainly the causes? Uh, I primarily try to make a difference with um, 
the worst places in the world. So one of my favorite charities is Doctors Without Borders or Médecins Sans Frontières because they are often um, the first people into some of the most challenging war-torn uh, areas in our world and they are often the last people out. And mm. they're, I don't know if they still are, but uh, they were the first for sure and they may still be the only NGO ever to win the Nobel Peace Prize. Mm -hmm. And so you have these incredible medical professionals who volunteer to go into these places and do these incredible things. And so I think alleviating suffering on the planet is a, a very important thing, and I think they do a great job. Not that there aren't lots of other organizations, but right. they, they in particular. And, and then another area I've tried to make a difference is with um, the environment. We only have one planet. Um, I'm an animal lover, and so I spent a lot of time with the folks at the World Wildlife Fund. And, um, and then a lot of local charities, you know, try to That make fascinates me, by the way, Christopher. And I hope you don't, uh, you know, I hope I'm not getting too personal in here, but you care about the planet. Why? You're here for X amount of years. Let's call it a hundred, nice even number. Okay. And then you die. Um, who cares about what happens after that? Like, why do you care? And, and I'm going to say something, and I, again, don't take offense to this. And, um, but not having kids, it's kind of like you don't care about what happens after you die because you don't care about someone leaving a legacy behind after you, right? A lot of people have kids because they want someone to carry the torch. So it kind of, in a way, it fascinates me that you care about the planet and what's going to happen when you leave it, but yet your own personal journey, you're not really interested in leaving behind some sort of a legacy with children. Yeah, that's a fascinating one. I, I, I don't connect the two. Mm -hmm. So um, I chose not to have children. We can talk about that in any level of detail you like. Um, and uh, per our earlier part of the discussion, I love kids. Yeah. And I think, look, it's a simple idea. But the idea that if it's possible for us that everything we touch, we leave a little better. It's not always possible, and I'm not always a good person, and so I'm not, I'm not trying to say that I'm Mother Teresa. I'm, yeah. I'm not that at all. <laughs> but, but whether it's as simple as you go to pick up groceries, and instead of being on your phone or tweeting or whatever, you, know, <laughs> you actually look at the person who's checking you out of the grocery store in the eye, you smile at them, you say, oh, isn't it a nice day? You make some nice small talk. And, and you, you just try to have a human connection with them. Just that, right? Oh, I, 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 I'm, I'm somebody for whom garbage makes me crazy. You know, I live two blocks from the, 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 the ocean, the Pacific Ocean. And mm -hmm. so any crap that's on the street <laughs> right. gets into the ocean. So mm. I pick up cigarette butts. and Really? Wow. Yeah, because it makes me nuts because I know a, a, a freaking otter is going to eat that cigarette butt. And so I know those are small things, but and wow. then I try to do some big things too, of course. But but I just try to be a person who, if I touch something, can I possibly make it a little bit better? And and I know that we're only here for a brief moment in time. And so I think at the end of the day, and this may be an oversimplification, and maybe it goes back to legends and losers. You're either a person that's making things better or making things worse. Most of us are not having a neutral impact on the world around us, even if it's a teeny weeny little part you can't, of the world. You can't have a neutral impact, right? So right. look, I know there are things that I do that are not good things. You know, I drive a car that, you know, consumes fossil fuel and, you know, mm -hmm. there's a whole bunch of things we all do that maybe we shouldn't do, um, uh, big and small. But if we try to get aware of trying to do some positive things and so that on balance, who we are as human beings is somebody that generally tends to make things better as opposed to somebody who generally tends to make things worse. <laughs> Where does that sensitivity come from? The fact that you pick up cigarette buds and people don't do that, right? People just don't care and someone else will do it and why should I do it and it's not mine and there's so many reasons not to do it and you do it because that cigarette bud is going to end up in the ocean and, and some animal sea creature is going to eat that and die. Where does that sensitivity come from? That's not that common. 
Um, well, I think I've become more that way over time. I think I always tried to be that way. My mother tells a story that I don't actually remember. I, I remember because <laughs> she tells the story. But, right. Yeah. Um, when I was a, a kid, I used to go to school on the subway. I grew up in Montreal, Canada, and I went to school in the subway. And we had street musicians in the subway because, of course, in February, it's some kind of cold in Montreal. Mm -hmm. And my mother tells a story where she said this is where she thought she knew I'd be okay as a person um, because <laughs> one day I shared with her that if I'm passing by a musician in the subway, we call it the Metro in Montreal, yeah. and, and there's somebody playing, if I don't have change or a dollar or whatever it was to drop in the guitar case, then I don't stand there and listen because I don't think it's right to wow. consume their music and not actually... That um, is such sensitivity. I mean, it's like, wow. Now, look, I am. I, there, most people who know me are not going to say, Daniel, that I'm the world's most sensitive person. I'm not. But, 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 but you have sent, like, that is something that, again, like I said, most people, they don't care. They're like, well, I'm standing here. They're playing music. It's not my problem. You know, it's. Look, I, I think we all have a conscience. And here's what I know. If you had a mother, your mother taught you right from wrong. There, mm -hmm. Unless you're a sociopath and you truly have no conscience, and some small percentage of people are that way, but the vast majority of us had a mother who had a conscience and was a good person, or at least tried to be a good person. That mother and father loved us and tried to, at some level, teach us right and wrong. And um, I just think at the end of the day, our only real choice in life is, are you trying to make things better? Are you part of the problem or are you part of the solution? And I'm trying to be part of the solution. And I think particularly, and this is the part where I really feel responsibility. Mm -hmm. I'm somebody for whom most of the world wrote me off at a very young age. I got thrown out of school at 18 for being stupid and started a company. I mm -hmm. have I, I have a word for it that I won't use on your podcast, <laughs> but I have a list of you know disorders that can choke his horse. And, and the, the, the you know, dys dyslexic, ADHD, bipolar, uh, dyscalculia, which is the dyslexia of math. Like, I, math was over for me in grade three. And yet you um, were the CMO of some big tech companies. I mean, it's incredible. Well, th thank you. But what I was, you know, trying to explain is I... As much as I've applied myself and, and the things that, and the risks I've taken and the things I've done and all that, which is all wonderful, and I'm proud of myself for that stuff, I am very, very clear, Daniel, that you and I are not having this conversation unless many, many people extended a hand to me at various points in my life and, and supported me or helped me or loved me in a way that maybe I didn't deserve or they saw something in me that most others didn't, and, and they gave me a chance when I hadn't really earned that chance. And so I don't feel, you know, people can say things like, oh, you know, it must be nice to be a self-made man. And, and I appreciate the compliment, and, and I understand the point, and it, it does feel nice. But I in no way, shape, or form feel self-made. And so I think if you have any kind of experience in your life of other people giving you your life, which is the experience that I have, and I have a magical life today. And so I just think as somebody who's lucky enough to have gotten to that kind of place where every day I feel grateful and lucky and I'm around great people and I live where I want to live and I do what I want to do and I, and I experience a lot of great things in life, if you don't have a compelling desire to help other people achieve those, that, that kind of thing in their, own, in their lives, and this may be overly judgmental, but mm -hmm. there's something effing wrong with you. <laughs> but is that coming from gratitude or guilt? When I you, have no, I don't have guilt. When you pick up the cigarette or let's actually, the better example is you're at the subway and there's a guy playing his guitar, whatever it is. You don't want to stand there because you're taking from him without giving back. That's, is that guilt? that I feel guilty to take from this person who's playing for money and I'm not paying him money. And when you're picking up that cigarette butt, is it that I feel guilty if I don't pick it up, then an animal is going to die because I didn't pick it up. Is it guilt or is it gratitude? 
it, it, it's not guilt at all. So I don't experience that. You know, uh, guilt that some people who look like me, I'm a, you know, 50-year-old uh, white dude that has a couple of bucks, right? And so, like, I don't know how much luckier you can be in right. society when you're, a, when you're that dude. Right. Okay. And so uh, I have many friends of different colors and, and backgrounds who are far from white dudes. Right. Mm -hmm. And and I know that their experience of life in the United States is different than mine. I know when my friend, you know, um, Nick gets pulled over uh, for speeding. Uh, he's African-American mm -hmm. um, that what happens for him and what happens for me might actually be very different. Right. So I, I'm not ignorant of any of those things. And I also am not ignorant of the fact that people who look like me and ancestors of people who are, are that do look like me did horrible things to people who look like I, I'm not ignorant of any of that stuff, of course. Mm -hmm. But I'm not guilty about any of it either because I didn't do any of that. I didn't set any of that up. I didn't. Mm -hmm. My mother told me when I was five to treat everybody the same way. I, I grew up in an environment where there was lots of people, lots of different nationalities and, and so forth. And that was a normal experience for me. So I, I don't have guilt associated with any of that stuff. What I do have is um, I am somebody for whom when I see uh, wrong committed in the world, it makes me angry. And so when you let your dog take a crap on the beach and you don't clean it up, there's a part of me that wants to punch you in the face. Now, I don't punch anybody in the face. I haven't been in the fist outside of a gym um, right. since I was 10 or 12 years old. So, um, mm -hmm. But I, I do train martial arts. But anyway, because um, I think what you just did by allowing your dog to crap on the beach is a very you know horrible thing and I don't know why you don't know the difference between right and wrong but I, and by the way if I see you do it I'm gonna tell you to go pick that up and that you just broke the law and we're gonna have a stern conversation and if wow. you're a nice person great and if you're not a nice person I'm gonna have a very stern conversation with you about it mm -hmm. and, and so that's a simple example right it's also I would never let um, so you have, incredible, you have incredible compassion on the one hand, and you have complete lack of, like, complete, you're, you're intolerant for people who are selfish and abuse the system, right? Yes. Anything that's yes. unjust, you are flaming. You yes. are just, there is no tolerance, there is no sensitivity, absolutely this, and on the other hand, you're this soft, gentle, like, completely sympathetic, um, you know, sensitive person it's incredible and again it, i don't think most people would call me soft or gentle well but, i see that but, part of you but legend but thank you yes that's a legend yes. and a loser in a sense i'm trying to kind of in comparison we, we kind of live with these with these two extremes in a sense right with the legend that pops up and then the loser that pops up and and Again, with in your case, it's this compassion on the one hand, and then complete lack of like no tolerance for people who are uncompassionate. Yes, I think we have to have a sense of right and wrong, and I think we have to take care of each other. I would never tolerate anybody in my presence doing something physically um, uh, aggressive or wrong or violent to somebody around. That's just not mm -hmm. you don't get to do that. Um, I, I will not tolerate abuse of any kind, and I'm gonna I'm gonna fix you if you try to do yeah. that. Um, I'm a person who, you know, on a plane, if you wanted to do something bad on this plane, you ain't gonna do it with me around. And, and so I, I have no tolerance for that. I have no tolerance for um, people who make a conscious choice to do something wrong. Like, why, why would you do that? You are you are the opposite of indifferent. If I was to kind of not, I don't want to summarize you because you're a human being, but you, you, you really feel like you are, it, it's, in other words, it falls on you. You take responsibility. It falls on you. You know what I was talking about before where people walk past crash on the floor and they don't really care because I don't care. It's not me. Like, why do I have to do it? Right. Or if I'm staying in a subway and someone's playing music and I'm not, I'm not giving them money, but like, 
not my problem that they're sitting there. Or if I see somebody's dog defecate on the beach, like I don't want to have a confrontation. Like why should I be the one to go and like have this fight with this person? Like let someone else do it. You're like, you stand up and you're like, no, I have like, this is my response. This is my duty. And I think that that's what makes a legend. Like that is what a legend is. Look, I, I, I do not want to sound sanctimonious about any of this stuff. I make mistakes. I do wrong things. I say wrong things, but, yeah, I, I can't stand that stuff. And, 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 you know, it's interesting you say, oh, it's not me, that's them, or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's not how I think about it, Daniel. Um, and look, this may be extreme for some, but if, if one person's suffering, then maybe we're all suffering. I don't know if you remember, this was years ago now, um, there was a campaign to raise awareness uh, around AIDS in, it might have been the 80s, but it was probably the 90s. I don't know. I consume a tremendous amount of whiskey, so you'll have to excuse me. <laughs> uh, but it was a, a AIDS awareness campaign, and uh, many celebrities were involved. Nelson Mandela was involved. And the point of view, the mantra was, I remember, I remember the, 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 the print ads. Imagine Nelson Mandela with his beautiful smile and his amazing face and all that, and he's wearing a T-shirt, and it says, I have AIDS. And that was the that was the slogan of the campaign. We're all in this and together. Yes, that if one person on the planet has AIDS, then we have AIDS. I have AIDS, and so, mm. and so. Look, you, I I know we can't solve every problem, and we can't save every person, and we can't alleviate all of the suffering. Mm-hmm. And and if you think about that, the weight of the world will crush you. And 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 certainly that has happened to me. At the same time, we could say, okay, well, what can I do? Well, if I'm in line at the grocery store and somebody does something, you know, shitty to the, the, the cashier, mm-hmm. they're going to deal with me. Yeah. You don't get to do that, right? Uh, et cetera, et cetera. And so I think the people, let me say it this way. I think the people who are in a position to make a difference should make a difference. And some of us are in positions to make a difference in certain kinds of ways, right? Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm, lucky enough to be in a position that there's all kinds of ways I can make a difference. And so I try to use the assets that I have to do that. Cause I, I, you know, I think if you're either making the world better or you're not. I love it. Absolutely love it. In fact, in, I'm an Orthodox Jew. Um, and, uh, one of the things that, that, that I learned was that when, when you save one life, you save uh, an entire world. Uh, that's what we believe. And if you, if you kill a life, you kill a world. And yes. it, you know, yes. And by the way, I must tell you, um, I was not raised Jewish and I don't consider myself any particular religion, but mm-hmm. my, the, the last company I was the head of marketing of this company called Mercury Interactive was actually founded by Israelis. And oh. when we sold the company at HP, we had roughly, I don't know, 3000, 3200, somewhere around that people. And, uh, I don't know if it was half, but it would have been a huge percentage of them would have been Israeli. Um, either in Israel or working in the company somewhere else outside. Anyway, long story longer, um, the, the, the great folks at Mercury in Israel made me not just an honorary Jew, Daniel, but an honorary wow. Israeli. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, when you next And actually, as a side note, I got to tell you, we just yeah. recently dropped an episode of Legends and Losers I'm super proud of uh, mm-hmm. with a guy named Dr. Giora Yaron. And uh, Giora is one of the principal designers of what, what in Israel they call Startup Nation. He yep. was on our board at Mercury. He became the chairman of our board towards the end as we were fighting through a crisis. And today, amongst many other things, uh, Giora is the chairman of Tel Aviv University, which wow. if you think about it in American context yeah. it would be like Big. being the chairman of stanford or harvard right yeah and so we just had him on legends and losers and and and, and to spend time with him and to, anyway all i'm trying to tell you is i got a lot of israeli and i've always had lots of jewish friends and so i'm an honorary israeli <laughs> cool well when you next come to israel let me know i'll take you out for a whiskey and uh have you been before have you been to israel oh m- many times and uh okay. I've had, let me say it this, this way, I've had many a uh, entertaining and enjoyable and late evening in, in the, oh, yeah. uh, the, the clubs and restaurants of Tel Aviv. 
They don't. They don't stop. They don't sleep. Tel Aviv doesn't sleep. Absolutely, cool. And by the way, Israel uh, is not as well known as I think it should be for food. Right. Yeah. Because the, the great incredible. thing to me about uh, Israeli food is, of course, you have all of the, or all you have many of the uh, sort of historic Jewish foods that mm-hmm. are 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 uh, deeply associated with Jews. But the other thing, of course, you've got is because it it's a Mediterranean country. You've got you know all this great stuff with fish and so you have greek influences and some italian mm-hmm. influences and some you know influences of course throughout the middle east and so it's this middle eastern uh, uh mediterranean melange of awesome food in israel you're making me hungry christopher and i'm actually <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't had dinner yet so I'm, I'm now like do you know what i'm gonna eat actually I'm, we're gonna wrap this up but because uh, now i'm really hungry um i'm gonna have some cholent do you know what cholent is no, I don't. What's cholent? Okay, this is going to sound weird, especially to a lot of listeners as well. Uh, so cholent is essentially um, a complete random uh, mishmash of 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 stuff. So it's like there's meat in there, there's potatoes, there's beans, there's like chickpeas, tons of spices. It's just like this this. If you looked at it, it looked like someone had some serious stomach bowel movements. Um, but basically. It, it, <laughs> But it tastes amazing. It tastes really good. And, and every Thursday night, I, uh, I have cholent. Um, we have it on Shabbat, which is on Saturday. But I also have it um, Thursday nights. Um, and I'm really looking forward to, to my cholent now. Thank you very much for that, Christopher. Um, I'm not sure. Uh, it doesn't sound great, but I, I'd be willing to bet it probably tastes great. <laughs> it tastes very good. It tastes really, really good. I, I didn't describe it very well, but... Uh, and if I showed you a picture of it, I mean, maybe what I'll do is I'll send you a, if we're friends on Facebook, I'll message you a, a, a quick snap of it tonight. You'll probably think, oh my God, what the heck am I eating? <laughs> like a but, dog's uh, breakfast. It looks like dog's breakfast, but it tastes so good. Uh, so the next time you come, I'll uh, introduce you to it. Um, Christopher, this has been really, really incredible. I love, I love your story. I love what you're doing. Um, I think you're an inspiration to a lot of people and I hope people take inspiration out of this. Um, Thank you very much for letting me pick your brain and thank you to all my fellow brain pickers. I'm looking forward to the day when I'll be picking your brain. You've been listening to the Can I Pick Your Brain podcast. Inspiration without perspiration is like a tiger without teeth. So to put these ideas into action, head over to danielgeffen.com.